Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Good morning, Fish Faithful. On this third day of April, thanks for making Marlins Rewind a part of your day. I'm Steven Strom. Mets up and the Marlins yesterday in their series finale 5-1 at Lone Depot Park. Marlins dropped to 1-3 on the season. Mets moved to 3-1. Miami right back at it tonight against the undefeated Minnesota Twins. Before we go to Kyle, we always have to ask, what did we learn today? And what we learned today is that Kodai Senga could be the real deal. He went 5 and one third, three hits, one earned run. Three walks, eight Ks, seven of them on that fork ball. He threw 88 pitches and looked like early on Senga could have been flustered and Marlins had a pretty good opportunity to get to him in the first inning. Had him on the ropes, but then Senga got out of it and zapped into an entirely different pitcher, retiring 15 of his final 17 batters with eight strikeouts. Again, seven of them on that fork ball unbelievable performance for Sanga and someone that the Marlins are going to see for quite some time being in that division in the NL East. So to give the recap, as always, here's the radio voice of the Miami Marlins, Kyle Seeloff. Well, a rough afternoon here at Lone Depot Park for the Miami Marlins as the Mets beat the Marlins by a final score of 5-1 to one to wrap up this four-game opening weekend series for Miami. For the Mets this afternoon, they score five runs on five hits. They do not commit an error. They leave six men on base. For the Miami Marlins, they score a run on four hits. They did commit an error in the field, a costly one in the first inning. They leave six on base. Kodai Senga beats Trevor Rogers, so the Mets improved to 3-1 to start their 2023 season on the heels of a 101-win campaign in 2022. And uh, the Marlins fall to 1-3 here through four games of the season. Uh, look, a lot of baseball left to be played, but as we bring Rod Allen back in to uh, kind of take a look at the highlights and wrap this ball game up today, let's start with the offense. The Mets got an early couple of runs because of the Trevor Rogers error in the first, but I immediately go to the bottom of the first. Kodai Senga making his major league debut, a rise singles, Soler doubles him home, Chisholm and Garcia walk, so they've got a run home, the base is loaded and nobody out, and then Guriel Sanchez and Birdie can't uh, do any damage against Senga. It let him off the hook, and he put it in cruise control after that. It's pretty much been the story of the first four games uh, for the Marlins. They haven't done a very good job with runners in scoring position. They've had no difficulty getting guys on base, but they just uh, cannot get them in. And you're going up against Kodai Senga. You know he's nervous. He's making his first start, even though he played 10 years in the big leagues over in Japan. This is his first start in the major leagues in the U.S., and uh, there was some nerves attached to it, and I think the Marlins allowed him to get off the hook, but you have to give him credit, too, because it looked like he came out early trying to establish his fastball and that sweeping breaking ball, but once they loaded the bases against him and they backed him against the wall, he went to that ghost fork ball, and he used that thing the entire game, and they could not hit it. Really big picture here. The Marlins got two hits to open up the ball game in the first. They did not get another until there were two outs in the fifth. And their fourth and final hit came courtesy of Gurriel with the leadoff single in the ninth. To me, you take a look at the way that this weekend played out. 
The Marlins, in 35 innings of offense, struck out 41 times. The Mets struck out just 25 times. They've certainly got to do a better job when the Twins roll into town starting tomorrow night to put the ball in play. Well, the, the Mets are a veteran-laden team. They don't have any young uh, kids on their team. They've got a lot of guys that have played four, five, six, ten years in the big leagues already. And when you look up and down the Marlins lineup today, everybody struck out with the exception of Arise and Wendell. And several guys struck out twice, Sanchez twice, Gurriel twice, Jazz twice, Garcia twice, and Soler twice. That's the middle of your order. So these guys just weren't putting the ball in play. If one or two of these guys has a decent day like Tommy Pham did on the other side right. where he was on base right. four or five times. Comes off the bench, gets a spot start. It's a different ball game, but you just don't help yourself win games when you're, one, walking a lot of people, and, two, you're striking out a bunch. I know Skip Schumacher had said in prior nights, look, if I had the secret sauce and the secret recipe to get the big hit, to get this thing rolling a little bit, I'd be knocking the door down and telling them how to do it. With that being said, uh, it was um, – a weekend offensively the Marlins couldn't get a whole lot going pretty slow out of the gates here offensively what can they do you think with the twins rolling to town to maybe get the offense going a little bit I think just slow the game back down I, they had such great at bats during the course of spring training birdie had a great at bat today driving the ball the other way Soleil had a great at bat driving the ball the other way I think they made a conscious effort of doing that during the course of spring training but when the season starts I mean guys have more energy guys or have more angst guys are trying to do a little bit too much but I think that's where you have to slow the game down with runners in scoring position and pretty much take what the pitcher's giving you you surely can't strike out as much as they have and then have success slow the game down but you would also like to see them put the game in motion if they get on the bases a little bit they rolled into six double plays in four games I think Skip will do that because that's the way that he played the game and a lot of times managers uh, they will manage the same way they played uh, Rob, before I let you run, Trevor Rogers, the pitching side of things today, four and a third innings for the young left-hander in his first start of the season, allowed the three earned, uh, four hits, four total runs, but only three earned, two walks and four strikeouts. He didn't get a whole lot of help in the first inning. Lindor should have rolled into an inning-ending double play. The first inning should have been over. It continued on after Gurriel dropped the double play ball, but then Rodgers didn't help himself either. The base is loaded in two outs. McNeil dribbles the soft grounder up the first baseline. Rodgers fielded it cleanly, but he threw the ball into the back of McNeil. It allowed a couple of runs to score. Uh, Trevor, uh, maybe not out of whack today, but what did you see out of his first start? Well, he's better uh, than what he displayed today, and he's the one guy that I was very interested in watching uh, this season because we know what Sandy's going to do. We know what Cabrera's going to do. You know Johnny Cueto was a veteran. Luzardo's taking that next step. But it'd be nice to see Trevor also pitch like he pitched in 2021, and they're going to need that if they're going to get to some meaningful games in September. I think the bullpen has been really, really good, by the way. Brazoban, two and two-thirds, a lot of runs. Scott and Barnes, but four and two-thirds innings of one-run baseball. The bullpen's really done a nice job. They haven't really walked anybody to, through these first four games. Well, it'll be key. Uh, once they have some leads late, uh, the bullpen will need to do as well. We know we got Shagwa back there and Puck back there and Barnes and uh, several other guys, but they need to continue to pitch well, especially when they get some leads late. Rod, it was fun working with you for four games. I uh, I know you hit the big stage now, and go join Paul Severino, but I'll see you soon, my man. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. All right, that's Rod Allen. The uh, Marlins fall to the Mets by a final score of 5-1 to one on this Sunday afternoon in game four to wrap up this opening four-game weekend series 
uh, against the New York Mets. So the Mets improved to three and one, while the Marlins fall back to one and three. Uh, let's take a look at the highlights from this ball game. Mentioned to you that the Mets got two runs in the top of the first inning. They did so courtesy of Jeff McNeil, who stepped to the plate with the bases loaded than two outs facing Trevor Rogers. Next pitch, slowly hit up the first baseline. Trevor Rogers is on it. An underhand toss gets by Gurriel. One run is going to score. Two runs will score. And the New York Mets have a 2-0 lead here at the top of the first inning. Boy, Rogers had his shoulders squared up to Gurriel at first, but the ball led Gurriel right into the back. And, well, the ball went right to the back of McNeil, but it led uh, the ball was led right into the runner, McNeil. Uh, and it was a very dangerous play, by the way, for Gurriel, who kind of got his left arm clotheslined right around the waist of Jeff McNeil. Uh, but that was a big play in this ball game. It simply just kind of cracked the door wide open, and, and Trevor Rogers really had to labor. He threw 36 pitches in the first inning, but so too did Kodai Senga. Uh, the Japanese sensation threw 36 pitches in the first inning for the New York Mets, the Marlins would get a run in the first, and it was courtesy of Jorge Soler after Luis Arise's leadoff single. 3-2 pitch to Soler is swung on and ripped down the right field line. That's a base hit, rolling towards the wall. Soler's around first, headed towards second, scoring from second easily is Luis Arise, and the Marlins are on the board. It's 2-1 Mets here in the first. You know, we had Kim Ang on our... Well, some good and some bad in the first, and here was the bad. After Soler, Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Avi Garcia walked. The bases were loaded with nobody out. Senga had worked up a pretty good sweat, and he didn't know which way was up and which way was down until Yuli Gurriel came to the plate. He struck out swinging. Jesus Sanchez followed Gurriel. He struck out swinging. And then John Birdie squared up a baseball, but he hit it right down the right field line and right at Starling Marte, who had him played perfectly. And Kodai Senga somehow escaped the bottom of the first inning, allowing just one run. And after that, for Senga, it was off to the races. It would remain a 2-1 to game until the top of the fifth when Tommy Pham came to the plate with a man on base. 1-0 pitch is crushed high in the air, deep left center field. This baby's on its way, and it's long gone. Tommy Pham. Just hit a two-run homer, and the New York Mets have a 4-1 to lead here in the fifth. So uh, a 4-1 to lead for the Mets, and I mentioned Kodai Senga really settled in. Through the first five innings, after the bases were loaded and nobody was, was out in the bottom of the first inning, Kodai Senga would retire 15 of the next 17 New York Mets that he would face. He would work into the sixth inning before he was removed in favor of Dennis Santana. Kodai Senga wins his Major League debut this afternoon. He does so after going five and a third, allowing a run. It was earned on three hits with three walks and eight strikeouts. But it's Senga that beat Rodgers here today. The Mets had a 4-1 to lead heading to the top of the seventh inning. And just for good measure, Tommy Pham chipped in with uh, what would be one more run, one more time. Pham batting in the top of the seventh inning uh, with a man on base facing Waskar Brazoban. There goes LeCastro. He steals, and the ball is swung on and hit towards the gap. Left center field. Jazz dives. He can't make the catch. The ball's rolling all the way to the base of the wall. Scoring all the way from first is Tim LeCastro, and the Mets have a 5-1 to one lead. And that would pretty much uh, put a seal on this ball game here today. It, that, that play, by the way, the uh, RBI double there in the seventh inning by Tommy Pham. It was a line drive... 
you know, kind of towards center field, towards the left center field gap. It was a playable ball for Jazz Chisholm Jr., who kind of got into a sliding dive of sorts. It looked very uncomfortable. I think it's fair to say he kind of just whiffed on the baseball. It looked like he was there, uh, and he just couldn't get to it and make the catch. The ball got by him, rolled all the way to the wall. If it wasn't for Jesus Sanchez... Tommy Pham may still be running, and he may have had himself an inside-the-park home run. Uh, but at that point, it really didn't matter. Pham's RBI double extended the lead to 5-1, to one, and the Marlins truly unable to do a whole lot else offensively here today. They got the one run of the first inning. That was all this afternoon. And after the two hits leading off the bottom of the first, the Marlins would not get another hit in this ballgame until there were two outs and nobody on in the bottom of the fifth. And then after that, it wasn't until the top of the ninth inning when Yuli Gurriel led off with a single against Steven Nagosik that would be repl- uh, that would be uh, wiped out on a double play ball that the Marlins would get their fourth hit of the game. So for the Miami Marlins today, five runs, five hits, no errors, six men left on base. And uh, for the New York, oh, the, for the Mets rather, five runs, five hits, no errors, six men left on base. And for the Miami Marlins, a run on four hits with one error. They leave six on base. And for the Marlins, 41 strikeouts in 35 offensive innings in four games uh, of this series. For the Mets, they only punched out 25 times. That's a really big difference. And you take a look. Now, the Mets had more chances. They, in total, left 31 guys on base through four games. Marlins left 25. Uh, But the Marlins, unfortunately, when it was all said and done, we're four for 27 with runners in scoring position. And you really do highlight the bottom of the first inning this afternoon when they had a run home. The bases were loaded and nobody was out. Uh, Guriel, Sanchez, and Birdie could not get uh, any hard contact or hit the baseball hard anywhere. Uh, shoot, even if they would have rolled into a double play, it would have brought another run home. Uh, unfortunately, uh, what looked to be a very promising bottom of the first inning this afternoon for the Marlins. Uh, turned into a disaster, and the Mets go on to win this ballgame by a final score of 5-1. to one. By the way, Tommy Pham's two-run home run in the top of the fifth inning was our drive of the game today. It was brought to you by Palm Beach Harley-Davidson, Florida's number one new Harley Value dealer group. So now the Marlins have got to focus their attention on the Minnesota Twins who roll into town for a 6:40 start tomorrow night when Johnny Cueto will go opposite of the right-hander Tyler Malley. For the Miami Marlins this afternoon... When it was all said and done, they struck out seven New York Mets, and that means that $175 will be donated to AutoNation's Drive Pink Initiative to fight against cancer for every strikeout this season. $25 will be donated to the Drive Pink Initiative. That was Kyle Seeloff. I'm Steven Strom. Marlins fall to the Mets today 5-1 in the series finale. Skip Schumacher and his reaction to today's loss. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Start with uh, Rogers' outing today. Uh, struggled early, then able to bounce back. Yeah, um, you probably strange to hear this, but I'm proud of him to get through that. Um, that was not easy first inning for him. Uh, Thirty plus pitches. Weird, probably last hitter type deal um, before we get somebody up, and that would have really put us in a bad spot um, for the next series. And you know, having using Brax yesterday, we didn't have much length in the back. Um, so proud of him to get through that. Um, would have liked to hit, for him to get through five. Um, but um, after that first inning, you know, his changeup was a lot better uh, this year than last year. Threw more first pitch strikes. I think he ball one in the first five or six hitters. Um, you know, that put him in a really bad spot. 
his stuff plays in the zone. You know, we've preached that um, the entire off season in spring, and he just didn't throw um, where he wanted it early on in the game, and um, it cost him, and you know, it cost us, unfortunately. That being said, just how encouraging, given especially his struggles last year, just to see him be able to bounce back from the situation in the first. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of his maturity. I mean, uh, most likely he doesn't get through that first, maybe last year, and you saw a couple quick innings, the second, third inning really quick to you know, give us a chance and back in the game and give our offense a chance to fight back, um, which we did in that first couple innings, uh, just didn't uh, cash in. For Senga, that fork ball, I think seven of his eight strikeouts came on that pitch. Just how challenging is it to, to hit that pitch? Yeah, he didn't have command of it the first inning or two, and then he found it. And you could see um, he had some tough swings, couldn't pick it up, um, you know, second or third time through. And fastball, his fastball command got better, which obviously helped the split. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was some, some tough swings on, on that pitch, and, and guys just couldn't pick it up. It was, it was uh, pretty late, uh, the movement, and um, – you know, credit to him for also going the, uh, as far as he did in the game because it was also the first inning was a lot like Trevor's. And, um, you know, he could have went into the bullpen early as well. And credit to him for fighting through and um, giving them, you know, five-plus. Tough to only get the one run in that first when first four guys get on, get their own run, and then base slow no outs. And no. Yeah, we had we, we had, them on the, had them on the ropes, no doubt. Um, his command wasn't there right away, a lot like Trevor's. Um, you know, Rise and um, Solaire, you know, first two guys get on and a um, couple walks, thought, you know, big inning p- potentially. Um, and then he punches out the next two, I think. Um, uh, you know, trying to put the ball in play, at least get one more right there would have been nice um, to tie it up and, and see what happens. But two big strikeouts in a row, I think that's uh, how that inning went. And, yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously, everyone wants to get a hit in that, those situations. Sack fly, something, put the ball in play. There's just value putting the ball in play when there's nobody out. Um, even if it's a double play, that's a run scored. And um, they know that. You know, It's not like they don't know that. Um, but uh, it would have been nice to get, obviously, another one right there at least. Results aside from the rotation, we talked, I guess, the whole weekend about the walks. But to face, let's say, this challenging Mets lineup, veteran guys are going to make you work. Is that almost good that they, you know, right off the bat, you've you know, these guys are facing him, so, like, all right, this is something we need to focus on next time we're out. You know, not that they don't know, but... They just got to trust their stuff. I mean, we have good enough stuff to, to get guys out. Yeah, it's a good lineup. The Minnesota Twins lineup is going to be good, too. Um, you got to trust your stuff. Let our defense play. Our defense is um, doing just fine, you know, and uh, so if they put balls in play, you know, we feel good about us catching them. Um, the walks are going to hurt us. And, uh, you know, when you're behind counts and ball one and that type of thing, you um, you know, typically those come back and, and score. And um, so they, they kind of hurt us this series. Um, um, but first start of the year, you know, hopefully uh, start number two is better. Overall, how pleased have you been by the performance of your bullpen, Brazabon, today, being able to give you those three innings and a short start from? Braz is huge. I mean, that, I mean, he saved a lot of guys back there. We didn't have to pitch, you know, some of our back-end bullpen pieces. Um, you know, Scott threw an inning. He had to pitch anyways probably today. We wanted to get him back out there. Um, Barnes going back-to-back. Um, you know, we, that was okay. We didn't want to have to pitch puck and flow uh, there. Um, but Braz, man, what – huge for us um i know it's a loss but picking up those innings and two and a third or whatever it was um came in dirty with alonzo up got a big out so yeah i mean he's 
um, again, when his stuff is in the zone, it plays. And um, I think that's where we're going to keep preaching that because we have good arms. Um, we just get in trouble when we're behind counts and, and giving guys free passes. On the flip side, the Mets relievers, how much this series against them? It, in general, I feel like it's almost a trend in the majors, right? Just how light out guys can be. What's the challenge for batters when you've got those type of arms? Uh, they just have different ways to get you out. They throw strikes. Um, and, you know, you have Robertson that throws um, – you know, cutters and is really effective left and right. You got Smith that you know can, can get guys out that have trouble at the top of the zone. You got guys that um, can throw um, you know sinker slider guys that have trouble with the sinker slider. So um, they have guys in the bullpen that um, you know can match up really well against different lineups, and they can piece that together you know throughout the game. And um, you know, not that anything is ever scripted, but when you have different ways to get guys out. Um, you know, that's that's makes it for a really good bullpen. And we have that, too. It's just a matter of throwing strikes. There, were, it looked yeah. like there was something with Sanchez in the ninth inning. Um, caught a fly ball. Looked like he was grabbing his left wrist. Is there anything on that that you noticed, maybe? No, he took the at-bat. So, um, you know, he was he was fine. And um, he came in, didn't say anything about it. You know, our trainer's checked, and he's like, no, I'm fine. Um, yeah. Bobby, with the automatic uh, pitch violation strikeout, just... Anything you say to him or just when you guys are still maneuvering through? No, I mean, it's, it happened a couple of times in spring training, too, uh, with Avi, you know, getting the called strike. And um, this one was a strikeout, obviously, in a game that really counts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's used to taking his time a little bit, um, you know, before the, the new rules. And he's, he's still adjusting to it, obviously. Um, you know, I think that was a – that was pretty close, but it's still the that's the rule. So um, just something that he's just gonna have to get used to and and get back in the box a little bit quicker. But um, you know that's that's part of the new rules. Something I notice, I don't know how often this happens. Uh, when the Mets have had runners on third this year, it's, like it almost seems like they've gone halfway or even further close to home. Is that something the pitching staff is either just don't stay aware because it's almost like they're trying to bait. It's only when lefties are in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, lefties are hitting typically. We're, you know, in the six hole uh, playing deep. Uh, that's also with two outs. So you're not really protecting the bunt. If in two strikes, you usually give them a strike or whatever our scouting has, has shown. Um, if they bunt or not or that type of thing, um, we would do the same thing uh, when we get guys on third with the lefty up. Mm -hmm. But um, we just haven't shown that yet. Um, Arise has been getting on base to begin innings and games and an impressive clip, but he hasn't made it much further. Um, is there any, is he, does he have a green light to go and try and steal or is he against stealing or just what's going on with him? He had eight stolen bases last year. So he's not a burner. Um, the Mets do a really good job of holding guys. Um, if you look at all their times, Sanga yes, today was 1.2 to the plate. It's really challenging to run with a 1.2 to the plate. I don't care what the new rules are. Um, you know, some of our guys are a little bit higher leg kick. Um, Barnes, for instance, was 1.7 today. So that's when you get taken advantage of on the bases, right, with the new rules. So um, Sanga and, and Scherzer both are really good. Um, even with the, the rules last year, new rules this year, they're really good at holding runners. Um, because the times to the plate and whenever you can slide separate quick step there's no real tips and tells that you can do unless you're just going to take a gamble on that fork ball um, and that's kind of what you know maybe what you would do later on but um, that's a that's a risk um, that you know you might have to you know take eventually but right now it's um, you know we're going on you know all the homework that we do and preparation that we do 
Um, yeah, he's uh, Arias has the green light, but there's also you just don't want to run out and run um, into outs in the bases just to run because of the new rules. Um, you know, all you got to be smart about it as well. I mean, if we're down three or four runs too, it's just don't just go right. So you just got to be smart and and. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arias is getting on base. It feels like every single inning that he he hits, and that's kind of the tough part, right? Is when your leadoff hitter is getting on that much, and we're not capitalizing on it. Um, so just early four games, um, but you, when your leadoff hitter is getting on that much, you definitely want to have him score. With Jazz, um, the, the, we saw the fam double that he kind of misre- misjudged diving for that, but diverting from that, what have you seen from him offensively? Because previous years we've kind of seen him to be pretty aggressive as a hitter, but starting last year he started to refine his approach more and become more selective. I believe it was three or four walks this series, but have you noticed anything with him? Like. And has he spoken at you, with you or maybe with the coaching staff about trying to be a little bit more patient at the plate? Uh, our staff preaches um, swing at strikes. So if we do that over 162, you know, we're going to be fine. Um, birdie tough call at the end. Um, you know, so but if we continue with our approach and swing at strikes, it's when we chase, right? The 3-2 counts and um, that should be, you know, ball four and that type of thing is when, you know, we get in trouble. Um I got no issue with him being more patient, getting be more selective, and getting pitches to hit, and and taking a chance when he gets a strike. Um, you know, if he's on base a couple times a game, um, you know he's going to be just fine. But I think you know the overall the, our our approach is you know swinging at strikes and continuing that throughout the year. And you know we just, some of the the chases have been for me a lot of them have been three two count stuff um, that we got to you know tighten up. That was Marlins manager Skip Schumacher as the Marlins dropped the series finale to the Mets 5-1. Trevor Rogers got the loss today. He went four and a third, gave up four hits, three runs, one of them unearned, four punch outs, but did a nice job bouncing back after that first inning. Let's hear what Trevor had to say on today's performance. Trevor, after some struggles there in the first, you were able to bounce back, had a nice outing outside of that mistake to fan. Overall, how do you feel about it? Uh, you know, I was just really amped up that first inning. You know, first first outing of the year, kind of had a tough time really getting heart rate under control. I was just really just amped up, really ready to go, and kind of got my command out of whack. And so I really just got to clean that up. Um, you know, if I make the play to McNeil, I get out of it. Um, so I just have to make that play. Um, but overall, I mean, I thought my stuff was really good today. Um, Got to limit the walks, um, but that will come. Got plenty more starts ahead. Um, and really just made one mistake to Fam, and he got it. So overall, I mean, the, the scoreboard isn't going to say it. Um, definitely have room to improve, but I, I really like where my stuff's at right now. In that first inning with the back-to-back walks, anything you could put your finger on, do, would you attribute <clears throat> that to, to the jitters and getting out of whack, or just after doing pretty well, just four consecutive balls? I, I really think it's just trying to do too much. Um, really just trying to do it all by myself instead of really trusting my stuff and getting early contact. Really just trying to strike everybody out on the first pitch, which obviously that's not going to work. So um, a lot of good learning moments, first start of the year. So use this going forward and make adjustments. What adjustment did you make after the first? Um, I think really after I made that error, they. You know, put two r- runs up on the board, so I'm like, okay, 
that happened, so we got to move forward and, and keep my team in the ball game, and was able to do that for the next couple innings. And if I don't hit Lacasio with those two strikes, I think that inning goes a lot goes a lot different. And you know, Fam uh, hit a good pitch there. So. And that pitch to Pam just left it over the plate. I think I probably just didn't get it in enough. Uh, I think it was in a good area, but he's he's uh he's pretty quick in there, so I need to get it get it in a little more. So uh, Tim, I capped him. I think he hit a pretty good pitch. In the first inning, I thought they had the hit. Was it located where you wanted to? Was it like it was out of the strike zone? It was low, and then I think <clears> the next one too was almost identical location with your changeup. Is that where you're trying to? You know, locate them, and it's just a good piece of hitting by both those guys. You talking about first inning? Yeah. 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 The the one to McNeil that was perfectly executed. Obviously, what I was trying to do a little ground ball there, um, and then I think McNeil or uh, Fam. I think it was just more middle. Um, had good good depth to it, but it was just more middle. Stayed up just a little bit, um, so he was able to get get some wood on it. In that first inning on that McNeil ball, um, it looked like you had gotten yourself in a good position to field the ball and throw it to first. What happened there that it ended up going away? I think I just rushed myself a little too bit, a little too much. Um, McNeil can move a little bit, so I know I had to be a little bit quicker than usual. Um, I think in my mind, knowing that the bases were loaded and it, it was a big play, with the first inning of the game, not allowing any runs. I think I just kind of rushed myself, rotate a little bit too quick, and just didn't make an accurate feed. Um, and even before that, when Lindor hit the fielder's choice and um, was thrown first, but it looked like it had been dropped. Was there any, like, you thought you were out of the inning, but now you had to go back out onto the mound? Did that factor into the walks that followed? Oh, I think for a split second, I thought he had it. Then I saw he dropped it, and I'm like, okay, this this is baseball. Let's move on. Let's get another ground ball and and move forward. So I wouldn't say it it affected me going forward at all. That was Trevor Rogers following today's outing. Tomorrow, we're right back at it. The undefeated Minnesota Twins head down to Miami, and I'm sure they can't wait to touch down in some sunshine from the frozen tundra of Minnesota. Marlins on deck with me. Steven Strom kicks off at 6-10. First pitch is set for 6-40 as the Marlins begin their three-game series against the Minnesota Twins. Marlins fans will get to see Johnny Cueto for the first time in the regular season. As always, make sure to follow at Marlins Radio on Twitter. We hope to have you join us. Let's flip the M together, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rewinding with us on Marlins Rewind. This is the Marlins Radio Network driven by AutoNation.